Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, thank you, Lord, that you are teaching us your word. You are giving us understanding. We thank you, Lord. Your presence is with us. And we give you all the honor and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, so last week, what we were trying to establish was why we needed righteousness or why we needed the gift of righteousness. So we started with the story of Adam and Eve and how God had to kick Adam and Eve out of the garden that he had created for them. Because man fell from the glory that God had given him. And because God loved man so much and didn't want man to continue to live in that fallen state, he had to prevent man from taking of the, the fruit uh, of the tree of life because of his love. And so when God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden, it wasn't because God hated them. It wasn't because God didn't like them. But it was because of the love that God had for them. He had to kick them out of the garden. And so that was a point that we established last week. That Adam and Eve fell to the temptation of the devil. But when Jesus Christ came, he faced the same temptation. But he was able to overcome the temptation of the enemy. And why is righteousness important? We are able to establish that God, God's desire was for Adam and Eve to live in the glory that he had prepared for, for them. But they fell off that glory. And so... Righteousness is important to restore us to the image of God. <laughs> to the lost image that, um, uh, that Adam, the, the corrupted image that Adam and Eve, um, through the, the sin of Adam, um, that image was corrupted and so had to be restored. And we understand that through um, the righteousness or through, because everyone became a sinner, through the sin of Adam, we also became righteous. We, those who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, we have become righteous through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so I promise that we're going to, we, we're going to start from where we stopped last week. So I'm going to read um, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. The Bible says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, Thus, death spread to all men. So the Bible tells us that it is through one man that sin entered the world. And so sin had to enter the world. God did not create sin. But through the disobedience of one man, sin entered the world. And death through sin. And so when sin entered the world, it came with death as well. And so right from the time where Adam disobeyed God... Death began from that time. Because God told Adam that when you eat of the fruit, you will surely die. And the death that God was referring to was eternal separation from God. And so from the time that Adam ate of the fruit, Adam became separated from God. And that is death. So those who will not inherit eternal life, they will be dead eternally. They will be separated from God eternally. But of course, with 
eternal separation from God, which is death, also came physical death. So the Bible says, sin entered the world and death through sin. And thus, death spread to all men because all sinned. So in the sin of Adam, all men sinned. And because all men sinned, death reigned from, from um, death reigned in all men. For until the law, the Bible says, for until the law, sin was in the world. So even before Moses gave them the law, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. Even before that time, sin was still in the world. And I remember one of the points that I, I made was that morality is not determined by society. It is determined by God. And sin, was in the, sin is in the world whether people in that society acknowledge that it is sin or not. It, it, it is still sin in the eyes of God. God is the one who determines because society and um, the standards of morality, if left to man alone, will continue to be changed. Years ago, years ago, man and man will not marry. It was abominable. But in this dispensation, man, men have started making laws that allow things like that to, to happen. And so if morality is determined by men, then things that are wrong in the eyes of God, if men say it is right, then that becomes right. And so that argument is wrong. Morality is determined by God. What God says is because we are conforming to the nature of God. And besides, God owns everything in this world, including man. And so man does not set standards for God. God sets standards for man. Amen. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigns. Death reign. So even though sin was not imputed when the people were ignorant or when the people did not have the law, yet still the impact or the effect of sin was seen in them, which is death. So the Bible says, from Adam to Moses, even those who have not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. So the Bible is saying death reigned from Adam to Moses, even those who have not sinned after the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. That is what I want us to establish today. Verse 15 says, The free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, how much more the, how much more the grace of God and the gift of the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through one man's sin. For judgment came, for the judgment which came through one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned, one man's, of, one man's offense death reigned through the one man, how much more those who have received the abundance of grace and the gifts of righteousness will reign through that one man. This is what I want us to establish today. That righteousness is a gift. Righteousness is a gift that comes through Jesus Christ. Now, if something is a gift, if you work for it, for instance, we go to work every day and at the end of the week or at the end of the month, we are paid. When we receive our salaries, that is not a gift because we worked for the salaries. But things that we do not work for, that is given to us, that is a gift. 
And so when the Bible describes righteousness as a gift, it means we do not work to earn righteousness. We do not, there are not things, there are not works that we do. One day we are going to talk about good deeds or works of righteousness. But those things do not earn us righteousness. The Bible tells us that righteousness is a gift that we receive from God. And that is through Jesus Christ. And so when we are in Jesus Christ, the Bible says because of the grace that he has made available, he freely gives us the gift of righteousness. Those who are in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says that therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men. And so, last week I established the point that people find it easy to accept that we all became sinners through the sin of Adam. But a lot of believers struggle to accept the fact that we all became justified and righteous through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But that is what the Bible teaches. Most of the times, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and personal Savior, we want to do things. We want to do, action, we want to do certain things that will make us accepted in His eyes. But no, when we come to Him and we confess Him as our Lord and personal Savior, at that point, He accepts us. Gives us the gift of righteousness. And so he inferred that gift upon us. He gives it to us. And so before we even take any step towards doing things in the righteous status that we have received, we first of all have to acknowledge that we have received the gift of righteousness. And we have to thank him for the gift of righteousness. Can we just say, Lord, thank you for the gift of righteousness? Because he has given that gift to every one of us. And like I said, and like I said, once we receive the gift of righteousness, we have to live a life that conforms to the new status that has been conferred unto us. We cannot continue to live in sin and still say that, oh, we have received the gift of righteousness. And that is where some people also get it wrong. You are saying that you are righteous. Why do you live a life that does not conform to your new nature? Your life must reflect the new nature. When we were once sinners living under sin, our life reflected that status. Our life reflected the nature of sin. And so now that we have received the free gift of righteousness, our lives must reflect that gift of righteousness. And so as a believer, when I walk in righteousness, when I do things that are right, when I do things that conform to the instructions of God, I am not doing those things to end righteousness, but I am doing those things because I am righteous. Please, do we, do we get this? And so it is important that we don't live our lives carelessly in sin because we have the free gift of righteousness. When we understand the free gift of righteousness, we also understand the responsibility that comes with the new status that we have received. And that is to live in line with the new nature. But first, the main point I want to establish today is that righteousness is a gift. And we do not do th- we cannot do anything to earn that. 
Righteousness is the nature of God. And there is nothing. The Bible even tells us in the Old Testament that our righteous deeds are like filthy rags in the eyes of God. And so no matter how good you want to appear, there is nothing you can do to end that nature of God. But the nature of God is conferred on us as a free gift. But that does not mean that we have to live carelessly. So the Bible says that in verse 18 of Romans chapter 5, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's offense, many were made Many were made sinners, so also one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. And so if by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, then by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Amen. And so our righteousness comes from the obedience of Jesus Christ. Just like our, sin, our former status of being sinners came from the sin of Adam, so also our new nature, our righteous status, comes from the obedience of Jesus Christ. It does not come from my own obedience. It comes from the obedience of Jesus Christ. But I cannot say that I identify with Jesus Christ and still live in disobedience. I cannot say that I am a righteous person through the, the righteousness of Jesus Christ and still live a life that does not reflect that new nature. And so righteousness brings a responsibility on us. It is a free gift that comes from God. But that also brings a responsibility on us to live in line with the free gift that we have received. Amen. So righteousness is a free gift. We do not do anything to end righteousness. Being, having right standing with God is not something we can end on our own. And again, I, I remember mentioning this point um, last week. One of the main things that was in contention during the ministry of Paul, during the time that Paul ministered to the, the Gentiles, was that the Jewish believers wanted the Gentiles to observe the Jewish laws or the laws that were given to the Jewish people. And Paul constantly or consistently was preaching that the, the requirements of the law are not necessary for salvation in Christ Jesus. And so that is why the Jewish people did not like Paul. That is why they persecuted him wherever he went to because he kept on preaching to the Gentiles that they do not have to observe the Jewish laws to have a relationship with God. They do not have to observe the Jewish laws to have their sins forgiven or to, to be called children of God. They just have to believe in Jesus Christ. And so Paul's point and Paul's preaching was that righteousness comes through faith in Christ Jesus alone. But the other people who were in Judaism wanted to instruct the, the Gentiles that if you want to accept Jesus Christ, then you have to observe all the other laws. And that is why the Jewish people did not like Paul. And so when Peter came to Antioch, which is a Gentile nation, um, Gentile nation, Paul withstood him in the face because Peter was being um, hypocritical because 
before the people came, before the Jewish people came, Peter was eating. You know, it is in the Jewish laws, a Jewish man cannot eat or shouldn't eat with the Gentiles. And shouldn't live his life like how the Gentiles live their life. The Gentiles were called the uncircumcised and the Jewish were the circumcised people. And so before the people came, Paul, Peter, uh, Peter was eating with them. Peter was living with them. But when the people, the other people came, the Jewish people came, Peter didn't want to associate himself with the Gentiles anymore. He started separating himself from the Gentiles because of the fear of what he, the people were going to say about him. And so Paul rebuked Peter in his face in verse 11 of um, Galatians chapter 2. The Bible says, Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew himself. He withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest and the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him. So that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter, before them all, if you being a Jew live in manner of the Gentiles and not as a Jew, why do you compel the Jewish, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature are not sinners of the Gentiles. Knowing that man, knowing that a man is justified Sorry, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus. This is a very important point. Paul was saying that we cannot be justified by observing the works of the law. And so what are some of the works of the law? That shall not commit murder. That shall not commit adultery. That shall not steal. And all the other laws... The several laws that were given, that they were required to observe. Paul's point was that no man can be justified by observing the law. By the works of the law, no man shall be justified. And so by our good deeds, by the things that we do, which are important, which there is a reward for in heaven, those things cannot justify us in the eyes of God. The Bible says that we can only be justified by faith in Christ Jesus. And so when Jesus Christ hung on the cross, and when he said it is finished, he paid the price for our justification. He paid the price for our righteousness. He paid the price for our forgiveness. He paid the price for our reconciliation with God. And so all that Jesus Christ did on the cross becomes ours. When we receive Jesus Christ and we accept him as our Lord and personal Savior. And so Galatians chapter 2 verse 16 says that knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we who believe in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be saved by faith in Christ. And so Paul was pointing out that even the Jewish believers have to believe in Jesus Christ to be justified by faith. 
And so whether the Jewish believers continue to observe the law or not, that does not bring them justification. So verse 17, Paul is saying that even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ. So the point again I'm trying to make today is that righteousness is a gift. It is not something that we worked for. It is not something that we can work for. It is a gift. And so you are righteous because of what Christ did on the cross. And he has given that to you as a gift. If you believe in him. No work we do in the flesh can earn us righteousness. And let me read verse 17 again. Sorry, verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus, even we who believe in Christ Jesus, sorry, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. And so Paul is pointing out to the Jewish believers that by observing the law, no one can be justified. And so as believers, we do not make our boast in the things that we do. That I fast every day or I fast every week. That I pray every morning. That I do good things. I do not offend people. I love people. We do not boast in all all those things. Those things are important. The Bible tells us that those things, God is going to look at those things and reward us in heaven. When When you look at the letters that Christ wrote to all the churches, he said, I know your works. And so after you become a believer, your works are important. I'm not saying our works are not necessary. Our works are so important. God is going to review our works. When we we stand before God, our works are going to be reviewed and we are going to be rewarded based on our works. However, we do not work to earn righteousness. Righteousness is a gift. And so we are not trying to be righteous We are not trying to be holy. God has given us the gift of righteousness. And all we have to do is accept that gift and acknowledge the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Amen. So the Bible says, but if if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? And that is the point I've been making. That if we seek to receive the justification that is given through Jesus Christ, we cannot continue to live our lives in sin. Once we receive that gift, Christ is not a minister of sin. Christ is not a leader of sinners. But he's a leader of righteous people. And if he has conferred that righteousness unto us, we cannot continue to live our lives carelessly. Amen. Righteousness. It's a gift. And I'm just going to use another example. And that is Abraham, who is, who is the father of all of us. In Genesis chapter 15, the Bible says that after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. At that time, he was called Abraham. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. But Abraham said, Lord, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing... I go childless, and the hair of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abraham said, Look, you have not given me 
You have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my head. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your head, but one who will come from your own body shall be your head. Then he brought him outside and said to him, Look toward the heaven and count the stars if you are able to number if you are able to number them, then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. That is how Abraham earned his righteousness, by believing in the Lord. Now the promise of God to Abraham was two things, two main promises. God promised him a child, and God promised him a land. God said, I'm going to give you this land. You are going to put. So those were the two main promises God gave Abraham. And so Abraham had waited for this promise to come to pass. But he still had no child. And so when God called Abraham, declared to him that I am an exceeding great reward, Abraham's question to God is that, look, I have no child. So who is going to be the heir of the things that you are going to bless me with? And God said, listen. So Abraham said, okay, if I have one child, who's, I have one servant in my house who is going to be my heir. God said, no, the one who is going to be your heir or who is going to inherit everything that, will be given, that you are going to get here on earth will be one that comes from your own body. And so God promised Abraham again that you are going to have a child out of your own body. And the Bible says in verse 6 that Abraham believed God. And because he believed God, God declared Abraham righteous just for believing in God. And so all of us who are descendants of Abraham, all of us who are followers of Abraham, must end this or must uh, receive the same righteousness that Abraham received. Abraham's righteousness came through faith in God. By Abraham saying that I believe in the promise of God, God declared Abraham righteous. And so all of us who are going to be descendants of Abraham wouldn't be those who come through the blood relationship or people who call themselves descendants of Abraham because they are Jewish people or because they are Israelites. They, they, um, they are not just descendants of Abraham because they are Israelites, but they must have the faith that Abraham ha- had. And that is... Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And so we must also believe God to receive righteousness. In that action, we become descendants of Abraham. Amen. And so in believing God and receiving righteousness, we become descendants of Abraham. And so Paul, going further to explain this point to the Gentiles, um, to the Galatians. So when you read the book of Galatians from the first chapter, Paul says to the Galatians that you Galatians, you started in the spirit. Why are you now, um, why do you now want to continue in the flesh? And so I'm just going to read. I'm just going to read the first chapter of Galatians before I come to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 1. Sorry, I think I should... Let me just read from Galatians chapter 2 instead. Mm. 
All right. This is Paul writing to the people of Galatians and um, rebuking them because they resorted to the flesh. And so I'm reading from Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul says, the Bible says, Paul, an apostle, not from men or through, through men, but through Jesus Christ and God our Father, who was raised, through Je- but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace, and, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. And that we might that he might deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God the Father. To him be glory forever and ever. And he says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in grace to a different gospel. So after Paul had preached to the Galatian churches that they do not have to observe the, de- um, the, 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 the laws before they become saved. And he left the churches. Other people came and were teaching them a wrong doctrine. That they have to observe the laws. They have to obey the, command, uh, the, old, um, the old commandment that was given to the Jewish people. Before they can become children of God. And so Paul rebuked them. That I marvel that you are turning away from the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. To another gospel. And so in Galatians chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 1. Verse 1 to 12. This is a long passage. I'll try to um, summarize it. Paul says that now I say that a hair, as long as he's a child, does not differ at all from the slave, though he's a master of all, but he's under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Even so, when we were children, were in bondage under the element of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. Now, this is very important. Let me just take time to explain this one. Paul says that if somebody is a heir to something, if a will has been prepared and a father gives all his inheritance to a son who is still a child and does not understand the use of the inheritance and does not understand the benefits of the will, then somebody has to guard the person or somebody has to look after that child to the point where the child becomes old enough to understand the inheritance. And then the inheritance can be handed over to the child. And Paul is using that to demonstrate what the law did to believers. Or what the use of the law was. And so God's ultimate plan was to give us the inheritance. Which is the gift of righteousness. But the law had to guide people to the place where they will understand what sin is. Before righteousness is given to them. And so Paul says, Paul used that here to illustrate the fact that if you are inherited to something, if somebody has been give, given an inheritance and the person is a child, he is not different from the servant who is in that same house. Even though the child is the heir of everything, the heir of all things, even though everything in that house 
belongs to the child. The child is still not different from the servant in that same house. Why? Because the child does not understand that he is even the heir of all things and everything in that house belongs to him. So he is still under guidance and then stewards until the appointed time where he is able to understand that he is the heir of all things. And so the Bible says that even so, when we were children, we're under the bo- under, were in bondage under the element of this world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. So the fullness of time is when God sent Jesus Christ, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. And so from the time that Jesus Christ died, we have been redeemed from the law. We are no more under the law because the law was to guide us, to bring us to the point where Jesus Christ will die. And then we can take our inheritance through the death of Jesus Christ. So the law is our tutor. Again, when we read further, the Bible tells us that the law is our tutor to bring us to the point where Jesus was going to die on the cross and end the gift of righteousness for all of us. Verse 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our heart, crying, Abba, Father. And so what gives us confidence that we are children of God is the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And because the Holy Spirit is in our lives, we are children of God. This is a deposit. This is a guarantee that God has given us to demonstrate that we belong to him and that we are his children. Amen. Amen. Therefore, you are no longer slaves, but son. And if a son, then a heir. Of God through Christ. But then indeed, when you did not know God, you serve those which by nature are not God's. But now after you are known, you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to weak and beggarly element to which you you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. And this is Paul rebuking the Gentile believers, telling them that, listen, you do not have to observe these things to become righteous. You do not have to observe these things to be accepted by God. You do not have to observe these things to become a child of God. You are already sons. So why are you going back to observe these things to be accepted by God? And so Paul rebuked them not to continue to observe these things. And that was what the Jewish people were teaching the Gentile believers. When after Paul had started the Galatian church and he left them to go and start other churches, Jewish people came there and were teaching them wrong doctrine. And so Paul had to come back and correct them. Paul went on further to use Abraham as, as an example to them. Because of time, I just want to um, read part of this. Okay, let me read from verse 19. So Paul tells them, My little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. 
And so, this is also a very important point that Paul is making. That first of all, Paul has established that the, the, the Gentile believers have become righteous. But then again, in verse 19, he says, I labor again for you that Christ will be formed in you. And that is our goal as believers, that Christ will be formed in us. And so there are people who stop at, I have the gift of righteousness, and they don't work towards Christ being formed in them. That is not enough. When you confess that I have the gift of righteousness, you must work towards Christ being formed in you. And so Paul says that my little children for whom I labor in bad pain, in birth again until Christ is formed in you. And that should be our goal. As we accept the gift of righteousness, our ultimate goal is that Christ will be formed in us. That our light will reflect who Jesus Christ is. That when men see us in our speech, in the way we love, in the way we are kind towards other people, in the way we talk to other people, Christ will be formed in us. So it is not enough to just confess every day that I am the righteousness of God. But Christ must be formed in you. The whole world, the world, the world, um, secular people, worldly people believe that Christians are good people. That's what most people believe, that Christians are good people. And so we must show the goodness that is in us to the world. The world must see the goodness that is in us. Christ has to be formed in us. I don't want to go on to the next um, illustration that Paul used, but because that is also going to take time. So I just want to end here today that we have received. I just want to summarize what we went through today. That we have received the gift of righteousness. All of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, we have received the gift of righteousness. Through the righteousness of Jesus Christ, we have become righteous. We cannot do anything to become more righteous than we were the first day we accepted Jesus Christ. However, we are going to receive a reward on the works that we do here on earth. And we do not just end there because we have received the gift of righteousness. It does not mean that we shouldn't do anything. But we should work towards Christ being formed in us. We should work towards demonstrating the character of Jesus Christ here on earth. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for today, for another opportunity to come before your presence. We pray in Jesus' mighty name that even as you have revealed to us that we receive the gift of righteousness, we pray that we will walk in that gift, we will walk in that understanding, we will be conscious of our new nature. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.